When the music fades, that's when you talk. This, so I'm learning. <laughs> this whole season three thing is really catching me off guard. Uh, I'm Zoe. I'm Amanda. And this is the sister cast again. Um, and today, well, at the end of the last episode, um, we had a very like geo-specific tease for people who are in and around the London, Ontario area where we live. We talked about the Wolf of Wortley, which was like an amazing but weird restaurant. Um, it closed. And so we talked about, we, we had a question, did something replace it? And it turns out they have a bunch of things in the works. So uh, we'll answer that question at the end of the episode. Is there any more business that's more difficult than operating a restaurant, do you I think? Can, well, maybe a bookstore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, all, all of that, like street traffic, retail, trying to convince people to come in and part with their money it's very hard these days right um in the in the era of the you know what do you call it the gig economy where literally anybody who has a spare hour will deliver food to you in the comfort of your pajamas I mean that appeals to me I have to say as a writer do you and you use those food delivery apps I I used to more than I do now yeah I used to I went through a big period when my husband was away for work and it was just me and the kids and I had a very picky five-year-old um I would use them a fair bit when I was on deadline lately we haven't because my husband cook more yeah okay so when you want to order food from a restaurant are you using those apps or are you calling the restaurant direct oh using an app a thousand percent do you understand how the business model works with Mm -hmm. those apps yeah and how it's terrible for the business yeah I do. I get that. Um, which makes me sound like a terrible human being. But I really have a phobia around using the phone. I hate making phone calls. Hate it. If I can do something online, I much prefer to do that. Have you seen the Hassan Minaj um, TV show, Patriot Act? Oh, my gosh. It's so good on Netflix. And he talks about this. He talks about how things that are very, very bad for our world, our society, are still very attractive like he talks about Amazon and how Amazon is a giant corporation that loves to put other companies out of business um they have a whole episode on it and it's a really good watch like I highly recommend everybody go and watch that along with every other episode he does I think he's amazing um and he starts the episode talking about how because he lives in New York City he starts the episode talking about how he uses the Amazon service that is literally get me the stuff within an hour like it's not next day, it's not same day. It's I think it's called Amazon Dash or something like that. And it literally they promise delivery within an hour. Can you think of the horrible work conditions? Oh god. <laughs> like in New York City. Having just been in New York City, oh, which we talked goodness. about in the last episode, um, the way that like <laughs> I, like I don't think firefighters in New York can get anywhere within an hour. <laughs> they do, obviously, they have amazing response times. I'm not here to bash first responders, but like you can't move in that city, right? And like bike Bicycles, couriers, bike yeah, couriers. Bike, it's all bike couriers delivering you your lightning cha- like charging cord, yeah, within an hour. Apples within an hour. Diapers within an hour. Oh my God. And it puts other companies out of business. I get that. I do. Well, they're obviously very profitable, but on the backs of their workers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That is one of the reasons why we don't use them now, primarily. You don't use Amazon. Oh, 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 no. I still use Amazon. I was going to say. I'm I'm not perfect. I'm not even good. I'm like (laughs) shamelessly selfish in so many regards. Yeah. I have not used a food delivery service app yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I just figured it was if we opened up that Pandora's box, yeah. it might be tough to close it Convenience again. Convenience is, um, it's quite the drug. Yeah. I feel guilty enough when we just go to the grocery store and pick up like a pre-made Greek salad and a chicken. Like, because I'm like, oh God, we paid how much for this pre-made right. Greek salad? One of the things that we did so ab- about a year ago was we started getting a veggie box delivered to us. And um, that has changed the way that we eat, right? The food is already in my house and I already paid for it. So we start with those veggies. Have you Most used, nice. I, so I take it you haven't used one of those Hello Freshes where they no. deliver the whole meal and you have to put it together? No. Yeah, that doesn't interest us. We are very seat of the pants type of people. We don't like to decide what we're going to have for dinner in advance. Right. Meal planning doesn't work for us. We always change our mind. Oh, seat of the pants. Yeah, what did I say? I thought you said seed of the pants. <laughs> and I was over here smiling and nodding, being like, oh, yes, I totally know what that phrase is. Not seat. at all. Yeah, seat. yeah. By the seat of our pants, yeah. for sure. Yeah, just we, we are spontaneous meal preparers. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We did the Hello Freshes, and uh, because of marketing, because uh, they will happily give you three, three free trials. Oh, okay. Anyone who wants it, hey, you sign up, they'll happily give you three free meals to try mm-hmm. um, so that you, in theory, fall in love with it. And I will say the meals were delicious, but it still took us like 45 minutes to put it together. Yeah. And uh, and the portions weren't huge. I was going to say, are they twelve year old boy portions? No, he he could have eaten. So we got thing. a family of four because we yeah. are a family of four. But one of our children is two and a half, and the other is uh, almost is seven. So there was no leftovers, right? And so maybe if you're trying to watch what you eat, mm-hmm. I should say that we saved the recipe cards. I was like, ooh, we should save this do this again but just go to the grocery store right and it it worked out to be i think about 10 to 12 dollars canadian per person right to make it yourself right so it's still 40 dollars. oh that would be a good episode for us to do later on at some point is to talk about how much meals cost because i remember way back in the day like i feel old when i say this but when when jeremy and i first lived on our own um, in our apartment, we were really happy if we could make a meal for $10. Right. Right. And with meat, that was a bit kind of squishy sometimes, but you could get something on sale. And now I feel like it's actually really hard to make a meal for under 25 20 maybe. Well, it depends what you're doing. It would right? be a, it depends when you buy challenge. it. Let's see what we can put together. There's a wonderful website called Budget Bites. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good thing to talk about at some point down the road. The I'm always I'm always interested in doing a challenge, like do something for a week or a month. Um, My friend Nathan Burgoyne, who just came to Toronto on the weekend. Well, I don't know when we're going to release this. He came to Toronto earlier this month, perhaps, um, to talk to the Toronto romance writers. He is from Ottawa. He's a speculative fiction author. And he talked about how in the winter... The city of Ottawa, particularly like transit users, challenged all of their city councillors to use the bus for a week as their primary mode of transit. And you can guess how badly that went, (laughs) especially in the winter, right? Because in the winter, transit really bogs down and um, OC Transport has a lot of problems in general with keeping on schedule because they're, they're under a lot of construction, which that is something which our city is currently dealing with as well as our downtown core kind of gets, uh, reinvigorated and redefined um i noticed like i have an office space downtown and the street that my office space is on has a 
recently been turned into basically a bus route and it has completely changed traffic patterns and i am all for transit like i am pro transit on every level um but sometimes it can be hard to use and i think that it's really important that we try and challenge ourselves well speaking of challenges it's it seems that every week there's a different challenge that pops up on social media and then people in the radio industry which is where i work and in people in content creation fuel the fire so um a while ago the face app challenge was a thing oh yeah but that was like stealing people's faces wasn't it so did you do it and are you familiar with it i am familiar with it i did not do it so the face app challenge what you did is you would upload your picture to this app that you had to download and it would show you what it would look like 50 years in the future for starters, why would anyone want to see what they look like 50 years in the future? And then everyone was sharing it. And then it turns out it was this app that, the, you know, a Russian company. And if you delved into the terms and conditions, they had the rights to all your pictures on your camera roll. I don't know if it was as wild as people made it out to be. Uh, yes, those were their terms and conditions. But sometimes those are just written as a way that I don't think they want all your information. But um, it was interesting to see how quickly it came. Everyone did it. Everyone was getting on it and then left. But it was really cool to see some brands connecting with that. So Nivea, who is a skincare, they jumped onto the Facebook, the Face App Challenge and put out an ad that, you know, had the two pictures with their logo on it. And it was just neat to see brands interjecting themselves into the conversation. Um, which I thought was much smarter than just uh, sharing yourself. And I want to say that I never did it because I always believed that the Russian hackers were behind it ever since watching that Netflix show. Some of those challenges, I think, are they seem benign, but there was something kind of hinky about that one right from the get-go. Well, that face app has been around for a while. It it kind of made a – it it wasn't as big as the old face challenge, but that same app was around a year ago uh, where you could – I think it was guess how old you were with your face. Uh-huh. Like these, these apps are out there, but yeah, I, I mean the data play is the, the next level of marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of challenges, I saw something extra hilarious on Twitter yesterday. I'm going to get you to retweet it from our Twitter account. Okay. Um, so is this, I'm assuming a mom. Um, and this is actually from last year. You know how tweets sometimes you don't see them for quite a while. For sure. so this is from last year, a mom named uh, and her Twitter handle is Jess B Watson. And her tweet was, if some preteen YouTube star could create a clean your room challenge or even a put your clothes in the hamper challenge, that would be awesome. Amazing. (laughs) And, you know, when we started this podcast, I think that some of this season is going to be reflecting on how much has changed in the couple of years since we started this. When we started this podcast, um, my kid was not yet a preteen. My oldest, uh, I think he was nine when we started this. And he is now 11 and a half. And he is the greatest kid. He is sweet. He is kind. He is good with his younger sibling. He is good with his cousins. And he is full of attitude. Like, it's as it's as good as I think it could possibly be. But the sighing and the eye rolling and the frustration and the know-it-allness, it's, it's something. <laughs> Does he clean up his room? No. so I mean he's he is better about things that he values but things that we value you know not so much well can't you just withhold the stuff he wants to do until he cleans his room yeah but I mean yes but it I want it to come from him right you know like I want him to want to I want him to want to clean his room yeah so the the 
computer we use for podcasting in the, well we've been on hiatus my seven-year-old has commandeered this to play roadblocks on <laughs> and to watch youtube on and it is so adorable on one side to see how she just and but she always comes and asks permission before she can do it and i always yeah. say sure once your room is clean and so then yeah. she goes and cleans her room then she gets to come and it's so cute to watch that but yeah. there are some things that the um, 11 year old is great about like he will clean up the table when we finish dinner he will do dishes he will put both of them put groceries away as soon as we get home there are some things that are it's just not in his nature his younger brother absolutely will tidy his room right and that's it for him from from a younger one that's a five ten minute task for the older one and he has um you know, just a different personality mix. And for him, it's this like agonizing emotional journey. And, you know, I don't have a lot of time for that. It's easier, frankly, if we do it with him, you know. Right. But it's, I I want him to get there. And I feel like, like this tweet really yeah. spoke to me because I thought, man, if there was just a, like a Marie Kondo, Marie Kondo yeah. for the younger set, for he sure. would latch onto it because he is such a joiner. If the girl with the bow, Jojo Siwa, I don't know these was people. like, let's clean up our room. I don't know. Uh, the people <laughs> who do the burritos, can you burrito this, whatever that, don't know that podcast one. or YouTube thing is. Yeah. He loves those people. So 13 minutes into the episode, have we talked about marketing yet? We have not talked about marketing yet. Question for you. Have you heard the expression, you waste 50% of your marketing budget, you just don't know what 50%? No, but I love it. Tell me more about that. So it's a famous marketing quote uh, from a department store guy in like the 1800s. Okay. Or like 1923. Okay. So it's been around for a while. Those two time periods are not the same. (laughs) Is, Is it not? Is 1800s and 1923 not the same? No. It's not? No. The 1800s would be like 1825. Oh, okay. No. So it's John Wanamaker. Yeah. And he, uh, it says he was around, it says 1838 to 1922. Do you think that's when he lived? Technically, you were correct at the start when you said both the 1800s (laughs) and the 1900s. So he was a department store Probably at the end of the 19th century, start of the 20th century. The exact quote is, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is I don't know which half. Man, that's so true. Yeah. I completely agree. I work in radio um, and we advertise our our radio station as well as a big part of what we do is work with our advertising clients and Mm -hmm. advertise them on our radio so we are sort of approaching it on two angles Mm -hmm. and so many times we have clients say okay I want to do this campaign but I want to be able to track it I want to be able to prove it's working Mm -hmm. and that is such I get it Mm -hmm. but that is such a risky thing to do are the clients who say that people who might run their own Facebook ads oh for sure there is right because that is something about marketing right now is that some things you can track a direct ROI Mm -hmm. return on investment Mm -hmm. if you are the end you know if you have the if you have the metrics at the end if you have the sales numbers at the end and it particularly if you can track the clicks you like through a facebook pixel right. or something like that it does mean that the advertising dollars that you spend that don't have that direct roi you wonder what where's the payoff but here's another quote yeah the best part about digital marketing is that you can track it yeah. the worst part about digital marketing 
is you can track it. That's so true too, because you can also get bogged down. If you don't see an immediate ROI, do you cut something off before it would turn into, I mean, all of that is something that I really struggle with as a small business person, as, as an entrepreneur who I am my own marketing manager and I'm not a marketing professional. Um, I often, do marketing talks for authors, authors who are like me, who are going to be wearing that hat themselves. And I often end up going back to, it's just about the product. You got to focus on the product because that's the part that we are, the where we do have that expertise and where we are the, you know, the, yep. we have that kind of professional thing. It's tricky, but I do think that authors do need to challenge ourselves to learn more about marketing like that um, and be a little bit brave and a little bit risky sometimes. At the end of the day, we're, we're season three is about marketing, but you hit the nail on the head that before you can market, you have to have a product that's worth marketing. Do you also agree with that? Yep. Right? Get your product. And good products will will get out there, but marketing helps it. Oh, and lots of good products never get out there, right? Like you can I mean there are lots of examples of things that you love for only a short period of time yep. and then they go away good tv shows yeah that just never grab buzz oh my gosh the best tv shows sometimes that yeah they don't if they don't appeal to the masses did you ever watch pitch is that which one's that Mark Paul got Mark Paul yes I love that with the female the Wait, female she was the pitcher he oh. was the catcher he had the daddy beard like, yeah it was so hot so good and um yeah Kelly Ripa's husband was in it yeah, 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 the, yeah. One of the managers. I loved that show. I don't know people's names. I'm terrible. The, the people. The that people. show was great. That was Mark so with great. the beard, who didn't used to have a beard and used to have a baby face, but the beard makes him, yeah, yeah that guy. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about as you were talking about these kind of universal truths, that was hilarious when you said the quote, and then you said just how old that quote was. It reminds me of a talk that I gave. Remember the talk that I gave in Boston? Um, so in 2017, I went to Boston, well, the Boston area, to the suburbs, um, to the New England chapter of RWA, Romance Writers of America, my thing. And I gave a luncheon address at their annual conference. And it was the first time doing any kind of keynote speech. And I wanted to, I wanted it to be, I mean, you always want advice to be good, but I wanted it to be kind of, timeless right and the truth is is that a lot of advice is hard to give because it's of the moment it's fleeting you know the advice that I would give about Facebook ads two years ago is different than what mm -hmm. I'd give right now I don't want to send someone off in the wrong direction because advice might be good for me based on where I am in my career and not necessarily relevant to somebody else because they're at a different place in their career and I was thinking about our mom Right. So our mom had a desktop publishing business um, that she started in 1985 as analog as you could get. She um, she did have a computer and she printed out articles. She printed out the articles, but then she would have to cut them and put wax on the back and put them on like mock up page sheets that would then she would take to the printers and they would literally like scan them, scan in. them and, 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 and then they would be printed that way. And then we would help her do the mail outs. And um, so one of the things that I talked about was the earliest lessons that I learned in publishing, um, which are, they remain true today. So I figure if something is true in 1920 and in 1985, then it's also true now. And it's one of those universal truths you can grab onto. Um, so that, that brings me 
speaking on the marketing topic, um, I have an announcement. So um, a little while ago on Twitter, um, I was talking about the business, the state of the union in publishing, which I talk about a lot because I think that often we look at what's happening and probably you um, have this experience too in, in radio and in media. You look at what's happening, you have an emotional response or maybe somebody else is looking at it and they have an emotional response and you're sure that your perspective on it is the truth but then somebody else gives you more information and you realize I'm only seeing one part of it, right? And my emotional response is more about me than about what is actually going on. I see this a lot. Um, in, sometimes in writing, we talk about it as the sky is falling um, phenomenon. The sky is not falling. That's, I mean, business has ups and downs, markets shift, trends change, and the way to stay in it is to shift, right? We talked about this in yeah. the last episode. Um, you got to shift. You got to stay nimble. And so every so often on Twitter, I'll do one of these threads that is about that. And also like little things like the thing that I tweeted about the other whenever I tweeted about it was um, we get really hung up on how well debut authors do, quote unquote, debut authors. And the truth that a lot of us insiders know is that a debut name is not a debut writer. You know Paula Hawkins, who wrote Girl on the Train? Yeah, she used to write rom rom-coms, right? Nobody who is that good and that phenomenal and hits it way out of the park, they're not new, you know? They're new in that genre. They're new with that publisher. They're new with that imprint or whatever. So a debut name does not mean. So I was talking about this and a friend of mine, Rosemary Ray, said, when are you going to put all of this in a book? And I said, never. I'm never going to do that. That's just not my thing. I tried to teach a course once, but it was too much work. And then I stopped and I went, you know what? Actually, I have all this material from that course. I might publish a nonfiction book. So and that's just how I roll. I have an idea and then I dive into it. So I'm going to publish a nonfiction book probably in September. So not long from when this airs actually because I'm self-published and I can do that. And a lot of the material is from a course that I set up called um, Romance Your Brand, Building How to Build a Marketable Genre Fiction Series. Um, but I'm going to print the speech that I gave in Boston as um, the foreword to that because I do think that some of the stuff in the course may be kind of of now but some but the speech that I gave in Boston is kind of universal advice so so what's the book going to be called the book is going to be called romance your brand because I do think that a lot of people launch into publishing I want to write this and they don't massage you could also call it massage your brand but like I feel like romance, romance your brand is a better title it's a better title um you need to romance your brand a little bit you need to yeah work on it you need to make it a little bit slick you need to very cool focus in on what you're gonna do yeah so the book's gonna be called romance your brand and so you have a little bit of work you need to do on it I have a lot of work I need to do on it um for one thing you know the course material the way I set it up in 2016 it was for an interactive it was on like a pro boards forum yeah um it was set up to be interactive I need to change all of that so I need to anticipate questions um and I want to expand it it I ran part of it past my friend Nikki Haverstock who writes cozy mysteries and 
it's very romance centric. I want to make it more general to across. Very cool. Yeah, all genre fiction. Wow, that's that's exciting news. Is this yeah. a podcast exclusive? The podcast, the podcast exclusive news. No, because I immediately, <laughs> I immediately, the second that I had the idea, went back to Twitter right. and tagged Rosemary and Elizabeth Grace, who was another reader who was asking for it. And I was like, okay, you've got me. I have a book in me after all. But you, it, it will be um, excerpted part of it here on the podcast. And you'd like to put it out on Twitter so that you actually stick to it? I do. As soon as I say something out loud, as soon as I tell somebody out loud that I'm going to do something, um, that's just, you know, some people are very introverted <laughs> and they like to keep secrets. I am the exact opposite of that. It's a good way to keep yourself on task, right? Is- yeah help let other people keep you on task so well that's exciting and I think that'll be awesome if we can uh before the book gets released maybe we can spend some time on the podcast getting uh we'll do some big good PR for it and then we'll do some program ads and then we'll waste 50% of our marketing budget on the on the book somewhere and then have 50% do really well Well, it's very exciting to be back doing the podcast, and uh, this is episode two done. Episode two done. We're going to talk more marketing next week. Yeah, love it. Thanks for joining us.